Sunday of 2024, we are launching our annual call to 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want you first to know that this is not merely a religious tradition. This is what it looks like for us as a biblical, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered church to be intentional, obedient, wise, and disciplined. This is the kind of call to action that when done with an honest heart, out of service and devotion to our Lord and to one another, we will see heaven come. We will see the produce or the fruitfulness of heaven be rendered here in our church, in our homes, and in this world. Uh, We pray and fast because we are not content with the way things are in our heart or in our homes, in this church, in the city of Mission, in Abbotsford, or in in our world. We recognize that in every arena or area of our life, we need more of heaven. The stench of sin's curse, it lingers in our will, in our relationships, and in all our endeavors. Like cancer, sin and death are a force within our world spreading and corrupting that which God designed to be good and healthy. It blinds our vision of God and our need for the gospel and the priority of the gospel, the centrality of the gospel in our life and in our world. Sin and death, it gets into our thoughts through the lies that we believe, conceiving, deceiving us into corruption. It poisons our emotions. It divides our heart towards one another. It debilitates and strangles able-bodied men and women. Strong men are bound by addiction, pride, lust, greed, ego, temporary gain or temporary pleasures, self-made accomplishments. Strong women are bound by pride, insecurity, addiction, jealousy, discontentment, anxiety, power struggles, control, and or vanity. It was crazy to see what cancer did to my wife. Over the last year and a half of her life, it took a healthy, vibrant, strong, friendly, kind, smart, capable woman, wife, daughter, and mother. And day by day, it spread through her body, devouring, stripping her of any ability to function in any of the wonderful ways that we knew and we loved. And friends, that is nothing compared to what sin does and is doing in our lives, in our home, in our church, and in our world. It is slower, often slower than cancer, cancer more subtle often than cancer, is often diagnosed, or sometimes it's so common that it just we don't even notice it anymore. And yet every human heart has it and will die from it. 
And perhaps because it's so slow or so well disguised or so common in our world, it goes undetected. We grow comfortable with it. We get used to it. We make the best of it. We cope with it. We medicate it. We enjoy it sometimes or make deals with it. We settle for a life living with it. When Christ came to the earth, he brought the cure. The cure to sin and death. It's the gospel. That any and all who call on the name of Jesus are not just forgiven of their sins, but they are made new in Christ. When we take his prescription by placing our faith in him, in his life, death, resurrection, ascension, and return, we receive his cure. And his cure rate is 100%, and its effect is permanent, everlasting, eternal. How does all of this relate to prayer and fasting? Well, until Christ returns and resurrects our corrupt, dying body, we will struggle. We are new on the inside, yet we still live in a fallen world, still living with old thoughts that are kind of ingrained in us. It took me six days into 2024 and my daily devotions to begin writing 2024. I would write January 2nd, comma, 2023. And then it's 2024. And it took me up to days till January 6th for me to remember, oh, yeah, it's 2024. Our old thoughts, they are ingrained with us. They are like habits that carry over into our new life and faith in Christ. We're still living in this corrupted body that decays and desires even sinful, evil things. We're still living where evil is allowed to deceive us in this life and to to wreak havoc, chaos, destruction. We're still living in a world where our spouse or our boss or an employee or a classmate might be a toxic jerk. We're still living in a world where quite often wicked people prosper. It's a fight. And do you know what it's primarily a fight of? It's a fight of vision. To see through the deception. To see through the distractions. To see through the devastation and the destruction. To see through the disguise. To see through the common. To see through the gray, the subtle, the physical. To see God. To see His kingdom coming. To see Him and coming into your life, to see his way forward for your life. It is a battle. It is a fight for vision. Can you see him in your life? Not just here on a Sunday morning when we all feel nice singing songs together, but tomorrow morning when you go back to school <laughs> or you go back to work. Can you see him in that? Or has worry or sin or selfish ambition or a person you really don't like or, you know, worldly pleasure or whatever, has it clouded your vision? The ability to see God in it all, through it all, and at the end of it all is a vision that comes by faith. We read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, on the screen, 
Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's why the wisdom of Proverbs 29:18 teaches us this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. When we pray and fast, it's like putting on corrective lenses. We begin to see things clearly. Prayer and fasting, they put us in a place where we begin to hunger and thirst for the right things. Prayer and fasting, they reorder our priorities. How we spend our time and our money and where we spend our effort. Prayer and fasting, they, they rein in our emotions and our thoughts that can go wild on us. Prayer and fasting, they actually download God's thoughts. Download His plans and His promises and His purposes for your very life. Prayer and fasting, they take down spiritual strongholds that you cannot see with the natural eye, and you might not even see them while you're praying. But as you're praying, prayer and fasting take down spiritual strongholds behind the scenes that are the real cause in many cases of the symptoms that we can see or cannot see in the natural. Prayer and fasting, guess what else it does? It carries our brothers and sisters who are going through a hard time and they are too weak to carry themselves. Did you know that we have marriages holding on by a thread? Did you know that we have prodigals running away from God? Did you know that we have men and women facing life-threatening diagnoses? Did you know that there's good men and good women that... um, are stuck in addiction. Did you know that we have brothers and sisters that are just fighting each day just to get out of bed? Did you know that your prayers for others can hold them, sustain them, and even bring breakthrough in their life? Prayer and fasting also partner with God in His great plan of redemption. They rise, we read in Scripture, our prayers like sweet incense unto God. And they are poured out before Him. And they are timeless and they are used by God to change things forever. Prayer and fasting also reveal how small our problems are in light of how big our God is. Prayer and fasting bring us into God's presence where sin is not, not just exposed, it's also forgiven. Where our weaknesses transform into strengths. Where despair is shattered with hope. Where mourning turns to joy. Where confusion finds clarity. Where the lost find a path, find their home. Prayer and fasting, they transform us into heaven-minded, heaven-oriented people. Prayer and fasting lead us to becoming a better human, a better man, a better woman, a better husband, wife, mom, dad, a better employee, a better boss, a better student, a better son or daughter. 
prayer and fasting, see God move in ways that, guess what, he wouldn't have otherwise. Incredible. Prayer and fasting, they fuel the perseverance of the saints going through trials and tribulation. Prayer and fasting can cause someone who's even being tortured and killed for their faith to look to heaven with a smile and look at the ones torturing them, their enemy, with mercy and compassion. Prayer and fasting, they participate in the great reverse of sin's curse and of, of, and of death. You know, read Jesus' model prayer, you know, the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6, and you will see that it's a prayer of vision. It's a prayer that leads the people of God to seeing things correctly, to see our, our Father in heaven, to see heaven come to earth, to see us... Uh, see that he is the supplier of our every need, and to see that he has forgiven us of so much. So why would we withhold that from another person, that we would be participants in heaven coming through our extension of how he has treated us, that we would see that we need him to help us fight the good fight of the faith to avoid the temptations and struggles of this world. His model prayer, the Lord's prayer, is a prayer of correct vision. And we say prayer is boring. We say prayer is useless, ineffective, inefficient, a waste of my time. Now, we might not ever say that out loud. We might not ever even think it that clearly. But the way we live our faith is a language, and it speaks loudly. Perhaps we are blind to what is beautiful, to what is fruitful, meaningful, wise, and effective. Has your vision of prayer and fasting changed this morning? When Jesus walked this earth, he prayed more than anyone. Think about that. Here is the Son of God, and he prayed more than anyone. His disciples, his own disciples, didn't get it. In fact, they didn't get it until, they af- until after they saw Jesus rise from the dead, and then they got it. They had a true vision of who he was now. And we read in the book of Acts that, among other things, the disciples of Jesus devoted themselves to prayer. If our church, if our lives for homes are to be effective, fruitful, meaningful in terms of their product, and glorifying unto God, it will always happen on the heels of prayer and fasting. Put on with me today, and over these next 21 days especially, the corrective lens of prayer and fasting. It is the one-two punch of the kingdom of God coming to earth in our lives, in our homes, in this church, in our city and world. How will you respond? How will you engage? 
Our greater Foursquare family, the network of churches that we belong to, has created this call to 21 days of prayer and fasting and a guide to help us along with it. Uh, You can get one from the welcome desk on your way out, all right? It's a booklet that you can take home with you, and it has a daily scripture and then some prompts to aid you in how you are to pray or what you should be thinking about that you might see God afresh and anew. Now, we're limiting to one booklet per household, but if at the end of today there's extras left over, then grab a second one or whatever. That's fine. So that's the prayer part, how we can actually engage. You can take one of those home, and for the next 21 days, either in the morning, lunchtime, in the evening, whatever, you can engage in that way. What about fasting? Well, I'd encourage you today, tomorrow, get before the Lord and ask him how he wants you to participate in fasting. Maybe he wants you to fast food for just one meal of a week or one meal of the day or one day of the week, or whatever it might be. Maybe he wants you to go for a few days. I don't know. Maybe he wants you to do an altered fast where you just change your diet. Maybe you go without coffee. <gasps> Some of you have done that. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> Maybe it's um, the, the spirit of a fast, and you don't give up food, but you give up something else. I know lots will go without, like, Instagram or social media. They'll delete the apps off their phone, and, they, and for 21 days, they give up that so that every time that... Knee-jerk reaction happens to to grab that phone and to check social media. It's a reminder, oh, yeah, my source of entertainment, my source of life, my source of affirmation is not in social media or through friends or through the applause of my peers. It is from God and God alone. I don't know how the Lord will want to direct you. Maybe giving up TV or something else. Maybe you'll even journal your prayers. Oh, that would make this pastor's heart swell with joy. Sheer delight to know that you are writing out your prayers, especially if it's in a Parkside journal, to God. I've spoken today of mostly of how prayer and fasting are tools or lenses by which we see God and his kingdom and his way for our lives, but they aren't the only tools. In fact, today we're going to close with another tool that he has given us, another lens by which the church sees Jesus more clearly. It's called communion. And we meet with him as his people, as his bride, as his body, as his family, and we share in the feast of his body and blood that as we see through the elements of communion, his death in our place. And all of a sudden now, oh, If God did that for me, how am I now to live? (laughs) How am I now to treat that other person? If God forgave me of so much, how could I not forgive this person of so much? And on and on it goes, the lens that is provided to us by looking at his death. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26 says this. It's Apostle Paul writing. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, a.k.a. that you might not lose sight of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You remember it. You see it. You are convicted and called and compelled to live it. Seeing his death helps us die to self, to see him as good. I'm going to invite the music team to come up and the ushers to come and prepare to distribute the elements, a little cracker and a cup of grape juice. These elements are the lenses by which we see the grace of our Lord poured out unto death in our place. Now, if you're wondering about who should receive communion, communion is for those that have allowed God to examine their heart, forgive them of their sins, and purge them of anything that isn't of Christ within and can receive the blood and the body of Christ knowing that they are at peace with God and at peace with one another. And if that's not true of you, then, then don't partake. Just let it go by. Well, hold on for a second, Jim. I'll, I'll pray and then we'll distribute. But before we distribute, I want you to take a moment and allow the Lord to examine your heart and to guide your next steps. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us today of any and all sin. It is by your body and by your blood that we are forgiven and made whole. It is by your provision and example that we are both humbled and elevated to love you and serve you, love others and serve others. Renew and restore a right heart within us today. Put us on a path of peace and a path of righteousness before you and others. Today, Lord, we thank you for your mercy and grace. May we see you and your way clearly today as we partake in your death, the very way of our salvation. In your name we pray. Uh, Ushers, please distribute the elements. Uh, Take them and receive them on your own. And then when the band is ready, they will ask you to stand and join in a closing song. But before you just gulp everything down, just sit for a moment. And as the band plays in the background, just begin to consider your place, your vision before God in light of these elements and that, that which we hold and what he has called us to. So let us do that now. then when you are ready you can receive these on your own in your own timing we eat the body first and then we drink his blood as symbols of his body and bloodshed and broken for us